0: Jesus told his disciples that they would do even greater things than he did while on earth. What would it look like if a church stood in agreement that Jesus meant what he said? A church that not only believes it, but lives out this greater life on a daily basis. What would it look like to be greater? Good morning and welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Can we welcome our Appleton campus online campus, Germantown campus? One church, multiple locations, and, and I, I want to do something I don't ever get the chance to do, but But those that are working at the Appleton campus, I think under Adam's direction for AV, and then here, Dan, you're back at the the AV desk. I think Beth Wells back there as well, plus all the camera. Can we give them a big hand every single week? Amen. Just great volunteers at our campuses and what God's doing, and so couldn't do it without you. Hope you had a great week. Hope you're having a great weekend, loving this weather. Get ready for the big blizzard. I think we're going to get three inches in, in Milwaukee. I think you're going to get like 46 in Appleton. Uh, but anyhow, and so, but it's great today, right? And uh, it's been a great week for me. This week, Tammy and I celebrated 21 years of being married. Yeah. So she's still putting up with me. That's what that means. You know, I heard a, I heard a 50th uh, anniversary celebration. It was a minister I know the guy personally, I've known him for years. And he gets up and he's making this as kind of a gathering and family and friends. And he says, I just want, I'm just so grateful to celebrate 50 wonderful years. And she said, 49, his wife did. He said, no, honey, it's been 50 wonderful years. And she said, 49. Honey, we're, it's 50? She goes, no, 49. There were 49 wonderful years. One of them was just sheer hell. So that's, <laughs> let's just say it for what it is. So at this point, I mean, I don't have any one of those years, and hopefully we won't. But um, anyhow, so it, it's uh, anniversaries. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great thing. And uh, so anyhow, it's been a great week for me. And I'm excited today as we're closing this series out uh, to talk to you about purpose. Uh, Because this is the thing that I find a lot of people don't really take time to think and process through. And so... And, and you're never too old to, to discover this so you're not like well I'm retired no that's an even greater time because sometimes you're you're you have an ability to do things today that you didn't have the luxury of doing 20 30 40 years ago uh, you're starting out in life you're trying to figure that out well that's so far in front of me no 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 you're you're, you're trying to think about this and process this or or maybe you're you're raising kids and you know what your purpose is but today's a great teaching for you to sit down and you know, as Deuteronomy chapter six says, to teach and train your children, and to talk about and have these conversations, um, or even as grandparents, the same way, to have these conversations. It's also great, even if you are maybe at a midlife crisis, or you're at a point in your life you're going, "I'm trying to figure this out," or "I've never really stopped to think about this." Every one of us have been given a purpose. There's a reason why we're on this planet. And here's what I know. If you as an individual discover your purpose, then we as a church will fulfill our purpose together. But we as a church can never fulfill our purpose unless you are fulfilling your purpose. And I'm going to show you that today. That's why it's so important as a pastor that I talk about subjects like this. Because if you are living life in the sweet spot of your life of what God has created and designed you to do and to be, then you will have this greater life. You'll do what Jesus said, greater things. That's his desire. If you don't, then you will flounder and you'll spend years just trading days for dollars or you'll spend just a certain amount of time of your life just kind of trying to figure some things out or, or just kind of being somewhat aimless in, in that. and that. And, and that's not what God intended. And here's the thing about purpose. Sometimes we think it's some grandiose, oh. It's like the angels come down moment. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with what you have the ability to do. What is in your heart to do? What are you gifted to do? Purpose is not somewhere out there. Purpose is not connected to meeting some person or being at some place or doing something. Purpose is not something that is, well, if I can just get connected or if I can just get this degree or if I can just get this job or if I can just get into this house or if I can just get married or if I can just have kids. If you're looking for those things to find purpose, you're in the wrong thing. Everything that you need in your life, God has planted in you. That's the reason why the Bible says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says that God's given you a future and a hope. The Bible says that your steps are ordered of the Lord. The Bible says that you are his workmanship. The only thing on the planet that bears the image and the likeness of God is you. And he loves you so much, the Bible says, that he created you with a unique individual DNA that's different than any other of the other six billion people on the planet. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head. That's how focused God is on you. But yet we get up sometimes and go, I'm just doing a job. I hear people say this I'm just a plumber. I'm just I'm just a finished carpenter. I just roof houses. I just worked over here at the factory. I just work an office job. I work for Coles Corporate. You know, I work for Milwaukee tool and die. I just I drive a school bus, you know, I just, you know, do snow plow in the winter and I'm just a landscaper in the summer, no big deal. I just I'm an attorney. I, this is kind of what I do work in the judicial system. I I'm just a police officer. I'm you know, I'm just a stay at home parent. And when I hear those words, I am just, dot, 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 it goes all over me. Because immediately there's this like warning goes off in my head. They don't understand that their purpose. They're they're devaluing the very thing that God has put in their life to do. They're living not the greater life. They're living a subpar life than what Jesus wanted them to do. And I'm going to show you today. How God uses people that you don't think and how God, he he uses the things that you enjoy to do. He uses the passions of your heart. He uses the desires of your heart in order to create. Yes, you need to derive income, but there's this thing of what you're really good at. There's this circle of what you really are passionate about, and then there's a circle of what you get paid for. And where those three things intersect, purpose. But God gives you that. So purpose is not found in a degree. A degree may help you. It may enhance you. It develops that gift. The purpose isn't found in a coach or in a connection or in a relationship. It may help you. It may enhance and develop that. Purpose isn't found in a training program or in a job or in a location. It may help that. It may enhance that. But the very DNA, the genetic material, spiritually speaking, that's inside of you to get you up in the morning and put you to bed at night, the thing that you dream about, the thing that you are excited about, the thing that you enjoy, doing. Is is, wow, God's hardwired you. And He's hardwired all of us different. Listen, I cannot work with my hands. I am I'm horrible. I'm telling you, I almost burned down our house trying to replace an electrical cord on the back of the dryer because I didn't disconnect it from the wall before I started taking it off. And it arced and sparked, and yeah, almost caught the house on fire. Welcome to my world. I'm horrible. And at that kind of stuff. I look at people that can work on cars. I look at people that can build things. I look at people that can do woodworking. I look at engineers who can take things apart and put them back. I, I, I don't. I mean, we, we're doing these tests with the staff. And and so we're, it's, these, these, it's, it's called Caliper. It's, in, it's an HR assessment. And so it kind of tells us where our strengths are and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, and there's this, there's this uh, objective reasoning piece that shows really how mechanically engineered you are and your brain is and really how smart you are. Uh, and I scored like a three percent out of a hundred. Like I, I'm horrible. The, the the consultant called me and said, "Did you even try?" I said, "At a certain point, no. I just went A, C. It's just mindless. I'm I'm horrible at this." And he said, "You know," uh, he said, "You scored soft skills. You're awesome." I said, "Dude, I can talk bark off of a tree, baby. I I can shake hands, hug necks, kiss babies, and I smile because it makes this work a little better. And that's all I got." but this is what I'm called to do. That's why I talk so stinking long. The the, the deal is, is, but every one of us are called and equipped and have a purpose. Do you know what yours is? Exodus chapter 3, excuse me, Exodus chapter 31 in the Old Testament talks about this. It's a very obscure passage. I have preached on this one time in 14 years, but I just think it is an awesome passage of Scripture. And, because here's what happens. Whatever it is that it's easy for you to do, that's very, it's ordinary for you. But what you don't understand is in the context of your purpose and your gifting and your calling, it's extraordinary. That's how God wants to use it. See, I don't think a whole lot about getting up and speaking. Right, so I'll fly this week to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'll talk, do a presentation on Tuesday. I'll, I'll go the next day to Bentonville, headquarters for Walmart, and I'm doing a leadership lunch, and then I'm doing a staff development. I, I'll just do that, not at Walmart, but it's another deal that I'm doing there. And I'll do that. And, and, and that's, I don't think a whole, I don't get really amped. I mean, I like it, I enjoy it, and there's some friends and some connections that I have, but I, I just, I, I don't get nervous about it right? Uh, last week, I was in another part of the state doing the same thing. I, I, I will do this from time to time and that kind of a deal, and I just, I, I, I'm, it's pretty simple for me. It's, it's, right? I know other people that just go into like, like they, statistically speaking, like in the 90th percentile, people, public speaking is one of the biggest fears of their world. It, it's, it, it, and for me, it's like, nah, this is pretty easy. Now, you want me to build something? Oh, dear God. I'm going to burn it down or break it. Don't walk in the house if I built it. It's just bad. And so, but it's because of it's where my sweet spot is and where it's not. And so what happens is for me, my gift mix is relatively, I just think it's pretty common. I just think, I think everybody can do what I do. And then for somebody else, I go, man, there's no way I can do what you do. And then I look at what they do. And I go, there's no way I can do what you do. But man, I'm I'm just a, "No, no, 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 you you know how to do that. You're, you know how to wire a house. I'm amazed at that. I, I know how to flip a switch. That's all I can do. I'm serious. I, I, I can't change. Like I tried to change the, the light plate covers one time. Oh, I, I buzzed myself so many times I said, I can't do this. Tammy does all of that at our house because she's good at it. I'm horrible. Uh, and my father-in-law, who's an engineer, makes fun of me. But, but that's another story for another day. But when you find the ordinary in your life, The thing that just comes natural to you. The thing that you enjoy doing. How you like to do that. That's where your purpose is created. And so here we see in Exodus 31, God gives Moses, the leader, instructions to build his house, the tabernacle. This is going to be the place where God will dwell. God will live there. Since sin entered the world, all the way back in the book of Genesis, God has only interacted with man from a distance. God has not resided or had a presence on the earth uh, in a a permanent form. The Bible says in in the book of Genesis that God would walk and talk with Adam and Eve at the cool of the day. And then when sin entered the world, God basically uh, uh, no longer was there this connection between man and God. And God would show up basically through angels and and, and, and would make himself known in, in, in that way. And so with Abraham, he calls Abraham. Uh, from the Fertile Crescent, uh, Civilization One Hundred One, uh, the Ur of the Chaldees. He calls him and says, "I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. Your 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 descendants will will be the number will be the number of the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea." And uh, so God does that, but He doesn't have this direct interaction. Uh, Moses hears the voice from God uh, uh, speaking, but he doesn't have this face to face interaction. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, begins to decide, hey, through Moses. And Moses has this face-to-face encounter with God. But it all comes out of this tabernacle. And so, but God tells Moses, you're not going to build the tabernacle. See, the leader's not called to do everything. The leader's called to lead. An organization works best when those that have the ability to lead, lead, uh, teach, teach, and a church, sing, sing, ush, ush. Right? Whatever your ability is, some of you ush, and we appreciate those of you that ush. That's what ushers do, right? That's the only way I know how to say it. So, uh, right, Those of you who have the ability to greet, greet, gift of hospitality. Do you understand the gift of hospitality is one of the 27 giftings of the Holy Spirit? So that person that's door greeting at a church is operating in a spiritual gift bestowed by the Holy Spirit that was dispersed upon us in the book of Acts. It's the same level as someone who would give a word of knowledge exhortation in a, in a church service. It's the same gifting and anointing that I will speak with or any pastor will from a platform. And we just dismiss it as they're passing out bulletins. No, it's hospitality. It's one of the 27 gifts. There's only nine that are vocal. The others are non-vocal, but they're active in people's lives. You have been around Donna Erickson? Gift of hospitality. Need I say more? More people talk to her, say things to her, and open their hearts up to her, and she's able to share Jesus. It's a gifting of the Holy Spirit. She can also make some mean mac and cheese. That's another story for another day. This is what's happening here, and I want to show you. So look at this. Exodus chapter 31, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. So it's a spiritual things happening here. With wisdom and with understanding, with knowledge and with all kinds of skills. What are the skills that he has? Look at verse 4. To make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze. So he's a goldsmith. He's a silversmith. He's an iron worker. Verse 5. To cut and to set stones. So he knows how to quarry. He also knows how to be a mason and to cut and set stones. To work in wood. So he's a rough and a finished carpenter. And to engage all kinds of crafts. So the guy's so gifted It just goes from there. Moreover, I've appointed Aholiab, the son of Ahizamak of the tribe of Dan, to help him. And I've given, I love this phrase, this statement. If you write, underline, highlight in your Bible, this is a great one to underline, highlight in your Bible. Also, kind of P.S., by the way, God says, I've given the ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I've commanded you. What What are the things that God's commanded Moses to build? The tent of meeting, the ark of the covenant. Uh, the atonement cover on it, all the furnishings of the tent, which is the tabernacle, the table and its articles, the pure lampstand and all of its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, all the utensils, the basin and its stand, all the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests, the anointing oil, the fragrance of incense for the holy place or the holy of holies, and and they are to make them just as I have commanded you, God says. Now, here's what's going on. We sometimes miss the extraordinary because we just see it as ordinary. We sometimes miss our purpose because we just think it's what we do. And when we miss the extraordinary, we overlook the ordinary, we despise the smallness of something, and we, don't, we miss the greater purpose. When we engage and we see it, which is what I hope happens today in you, that you see it, that you connect with it, and even if you connect with it, that it resonates with you today, you find greater purpose. Because what's happening here is God is using tradesmen. They're, that's just 21st century. They're a part of a local union, like an electrical contractor or a plumbing contractor, a finished carpenter, rough carpenter, uh, whatever. They're, they're HVAC, whatever they're they, they, they have this gifting and this ability to do this. They enjoy doing what they're doing. Where do they learn it from? Their fathers. That's why it gives us genealogy, it gives us importance. If you look back in the history, you'll find that, 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 that uh, uh, Bezalel, his father, was the one who opposed the building of the golden calf and stood there between the pe- people trying to reason with Aaron the high priest. And these people have a deep genealogy. There's a deep tradition. But they knew how to work in these things because that's what their dads did. Let me put you like this in just kind of vernacular that we'd understand. Oh, oh, that's Ed's boy over there at Slinger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been working on cars for years. He's one of the best auto mechanics you're ever going to find. And his sons, man, they, they know exactly what to do because he's raised them around that. They, they, they get that. Oh, that's Frank's boy. He's a finished carpenter. He has a place over in Cedarburg, over in Ozaukee County. I'm telling you, the finest woodworking you will ever see in Wisconsin. Those guys do it, and he's trained his boys upright. I know exactly who that is. That's what's happening. That's who Aholiab and Bezalel are. And the Bible says that they're not just gifted to do all these things with their hands, but they're filled with the Spirit of God. But I'm just a plumber. No, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You are filled full of the Spirit of God. The power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And when you say, I'm just a, you are putting down the very purpose and the image of God in which you're made into. No, no, no! You're not just a factory worker. You're not just an office worker. You're not just a coach. You're not just a teacher. You're not just a build business owner. That you don't dichotomize your life. That you do this one hour a week for God, and the rest of it is yours. No, your entire life is yours. The Bible says that we that the Sabbath was created for us, not us for the Sabbath. And so God wants to use every single ability. Whether you're a mason, whether you're a an electrician, whether you're a carpenter, whether you're a teacher, whether you're an attorney, whether you're uh, whatever. You you are, whatever it is that your hand finds to do, do it as unto the Lord. That's Old Testament and New Testament. Bezalel and the Holy Ad, they're going to build with their hands the very place where God will reside. The first time God's resided on the planet since sin entered the world. They're going to build the place where God is going to reside until Jesus comes back. Remember, the Bible says Jesus said he would destroy the temple in three days he would rebuild it, and the Bible says on the day that he died, that the temple veil was rent, rent, was torn in twain, from the top to the bottom, the Bible says. God himself, because if man had done it, he would have done it from the bottom to the top. But when God did it, he did it from the top to the bottom. What veil are they speaking of? It all goes back to these guys. Here's what's interesting. Wasn't a priest, wasn't a pastor, wasn't a minister? wasn't the leader of the people that built it. It was tradesmen, craftsmen. Guys that would say, well, I just plumb for a living. I just work with wood for a living. I just work with gold. I work with silver. Man, I'm a, you know, I'm kind of a tool and die guy. Thus, they work with iron, right? Man, I just, I work on a lathe all day long. That's what I do. Man, I, I work over the steel mill." No, 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 no. God has given you that gift. He's given you that purpose. He's given you that, not just to make money, to live another week and to feed your family. He's given you that because the reality is he wants you to live in the sweet spot of what he's given you to do and what he's designed you to do. And when you do that, you will live the greater life And when we all do that individually, then we as a body and as a church will do that. But if you don't, we won't. So, how do you know, man? I'm so glad you asked that question. How do you discover your greater greater purpose? Verse 1 tells us that God speaks, God's speaking, God talks. God tells Moses exactly, here's what's going on. Here's who I want. Here's how it's going to work. Here's what they do. Here's what they're really good at. And then there's some other things that they're good at too. The Bible says, I love how it's just like, these guys are stinking amazing. And and the question isn't, is God speaking? The question is, are you listening? Are you listening? Because God always speaks through authority. God will not speak to me about you, He will speak to you about you. So you're at the Appleton campus, your campus pastor, Sean. God's not going to speak to Sean about your life. God's going to speak to you about your life. So if you sit up and have coffee and go, Sean, what's God telling you about me? Sean's going to say, I don't know, because it's your life. Same thing is true here. I have people that say to me or people that come to the staff and go, I just need to know, what do you think? What's God saying? What should I do? And I go, I don't know. I go through this whole thing, these three circles. What are you good at? What are you passionate about? And what can you get paid for? Where do those three circles intersect? That will at least give you a clue of this is probably somewhere in the proximity of what you're gifted to do. I would never be a great home builder. We've already established that. I would not be a good tradesperson. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm amazed at people. When we were building the building in Germantown, the guys and the gals that were working, that were doing what they were doing, it was amazing to me. The architects and their, 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 their how they drew and how they put things together and they saw things and, and everything. And, the, and then the people that were taking those drawings and they were basically erecting a building in three dimension and in real life how they did it and what they knew. It's amazing to me. Uh, it's just it's amazing because I, I don't have those abilities. I just sit back and go, wow, how do you do that? How does that work? How do you know this is going to work? I mean, the, 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 this room was, there was an acquisitionist out of Denver, Colorado that did the acoustics for this room. And so they did a three-dimensional mock-up, everything else of the room, all using technology to make sure that the sound was what it needed to be. And just, I'm just amazed. And so every part of this room, every, every contour in the wall, every shape, everything was all put together to make this room sound the way it needed to sound, knowing all the various materials that were being used. Here's my point. God speaks to you about you. He doesn't speak to me about you. We can have coffee, great. At the end of the time, you're probably not going to know any more about you than what you knew before because God's the one that will speak to you. God's the one that will speak to me. And, and, and here's the deal is everybody's leading somebody. So it's important that you ask, God, what is it that you want me to do? It's important that you got a family. God, what is it that you want me to do? Don't just look for the biggest job. Listen, money is the worst master. It is the worst. You take a job for title. You take a job for money. I don't care. You, you will, your, your life will kind of expand to whatever amount of money that you're making. Then it becomes normative to you, and then you hate it. Because what you've done is you traded days for dollars. And, and the reality is is that's not how God's created us. God's created us to find what is our purpose. What is it that we're gifted to do? What is it that we're good at doing? What is it that we enjoy doing? What is it that we're able to fulfill and, and, and do that? And then all of a sudden purpose is created in us and then all of a sudden you're alive and you're moving and you're developing and you're growing and then it opens doors of opportunities how? because people see the quality of your work and then they begin to inquire and it offers an opportunity for you to be able to witness and give a testimony all of a sudden what what you're able to do maybe you're able to take that and leverage that and turn around and and do some other side jobs for a single parent that has not the ability to pay for something or or to help someone who's in dire straits it gives you the ability all of a sudden you're successful at something and all of a sudden you're able to, to grow and expand financially and then you Start going, hey, you know what? God has blessed us so much that we want to be strategic and we want to begin to invest financially into this mission's work or into this orphanage or into this ministry. We want to give beyond. We want to give greater. That, that's what we've been talking about here. We, we want to do this. And all of a sudden, you're doing in life what you're gifted to do. You're doing in life what you enjoy doing. Your family is blessed. But Jesus wants you to be able to do greater things. It all begins with you simply asking God the question, what is it you want me to do? He speaks. Secondly, God calls. Verse 2 says he doesn't just talk. He's direct. It's intentional. He calls. He doesn't just call the leader, Moses. He calls the laborer, Aholiab and Bezalel. He doesn't just call the pastor. He calls the people. God has a calling for every one of us. Listen. My job is not to show up on the weekends and make you happy. My job is not to come out here and dance and put on my thing for you. My job is not to come up here and just rah-rah-ree every weekend. My job is to equip you to do what God's called you to do. But I can't do my job unless you know what that is. And if all you're doing is coming in here and riding the pine on the weekend and just trying to get insurance to save yourself from hell... You're doing the wrong thing. This is not about that. This is about you being allowing the word of God that, to f- come into your heart, to come into your life, to raise up the faith, to be able to ask yourself questions sometimes. Allow the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to permeate into those cracks that come into our life and into our character to allow God to begin to provoke you, the Bible says, to do good works. That's my job. My job is to get into your proverbial kitchen every weekend and rattle pots and pans and for you to go, do I agree with that? Do, do, do I like that? Is what what do I think about that? That's good. It's never wrong for you to push back. I, I love watching great football teams, defensive backs that will light up running backs and receivers, and I love hearing the pop of the pads. It's just like bam, it's there. They're lighting them up, and they shake for a minute and get back up and keep going. There are times that that's what that means when he says to provoke you to do good works. I know they didn't have football in those days, but 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 you understand. It's this it's this contact where all of a sudden you're alerted. It's this contact where it's kind of a, a head ringer. It's this moment where you go, do I believe what Aaron's saying? Do I agree with this? And so what do you do? You get into God's word, and you dig in his word, and you begin to ask. You begin to pray. You begin to struggle. And out of that struggle becomes strength. That's how you grow. That's how you develop. That's how you mature as a Christ follower. Information will not change you. Inspiration will not sustain you. It is by struggle that you will produce strength in your Christian walk, and you will find the purpose in which you were called to do. And I'm telling you, God calls not just me. He calls you. And as you see this passage, God called Moses. Yes, God also called the laborers, the the tradesmen. The people that go, well, I'm just a mason. I'm just a finished carpenter. I'm just a tool and die guy. No. You are called and gifted by God. If there were no toilets in this facility, we would not have church. (laughs) Amen? If there were no heat in this room, you would not be sitting here. If there was no one to construct a chair for you to sit, this crowd would be markedly smaller. Think of all of the giftings that it takes just to physically build a building. You said God doesn't reside in a building. No. But what does a building do, a church building? It facilitates. What? It facilitates life change, the working of the Holy Spirit. It's not just the leader. It's a laborer. And here's the deal. God supplies. Verses 3, 4, and 5. We see that God supplies. He supplied Moses with the craftsman. He supplied the craftsman with the ability. God gifts every one of us based on our calling. I want you to get this. I just I talk to people and go, well, if I could just have a meeting with you, pastor. I just feel like, <laughs> no, I'm telling you. I'm just like you. I'm jacked up, man. I have good days and bad days. Good days, I'm really long-suffering. Bad days, I'm just like, stop it, quit it, sin no more. I got to go. I don't have time. You know, it's just, I'm a person. I'm not gifted to counsel. You know why I don't do a lot of counseling? Because I'm not gifted to counsel. I asked Tammy one day, I said, you know... This educational pursuit and kind of doing some of these things, maybe I should just get a counseling degree. And she died laughing. I mean, erupted. Belly laughed. It could not stop. She goes, I said, what? She goes, you would be the most horrible counselor in the world. You have no patience. You don't hardly listen to me, much less listen to somebody else. And you're going to sit there and go, well, how does that make you feel? And how are you going to discover this? You're gonna be like, stop it, quit it in the name of Jesus. Okay, next person, let's go. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just not my gifting. I love counselors. I I, I love people that do that. I, I go see one. On a regular basis, Dr. Dan Green, this next series we're going to do, you're going to, you're going to meet and interact a little bit with Dan. Uh, he's a great, 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 he's PhD in psychology, just an incredible guy that helps me be able to see things and, and keep myself in perspective. And, I, and I'm, I'm for coaches and all that. But at the end of the day, I am horrible at that. God gave me what I needed to do what he's called me to do. And I don't have to be at the right place at the right time with the right people to do it. I don't have to spin any wheels or make any deals to do it. It's it's all through Scripture. We see David was not at the right place at the right time when God called him to be the king of Israel. Samuel comes to the house of Jesse and says, God's called me here. I don't know which one of your boys, but it's one of your sons that will be the next king of Israel. So I'm here to anoint them. This is a big deal. I mean, Samuel was a big deal. He was the voice of God for the nation. And Jesse goes through from the first, the eldest, all the way through. And Samuel keeps going, nope, 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 nope. And finally he says, do you have any other sons? I'm No, I didn't get their address wrong. I know this is what God said. And he said, I have one other son. He's the runt of the litter. He's out taking care of the sheep, which was the worst job. And that's it. And he he said, bring him to me. So they get him from the field. They clean him up. They bring him in, and when he walks in, Samuel stands and says, that's it. Joseph, oh my goodness, you want to talk about a guy who couldn't get a break? You want to talk about a guy that seemed like he was the born loser? He'd take two steps forward and four steps back, couldn't get anything right. But all of a sudden, the Bible says, but the favor of God was upon him, and the favor of God was upon him, and the favor of God was upon him. And God exalted him to the number two in the nation of Egypt, and he was not an Egyptian, he was a Hebrew. Not the right place at the right time. Moses is on the back side of the desert in a completely different country when God calls him to go back to Egypt. Not the right place at the right time. God works all these things out, but none of these people are the right place at the right time. None of them. We're never at the right place at the right time. How does it work? It works because God supplies. God gives you. God has entrusted and and, and put in you what you need. God has given this church everything we need in order to reach our community in which we're in. God's given us everything we need to grow and to fill the seats in the room. He's given us everything we need to see our, our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers come to faith in Christ. He's given us everything that we need to serve this community. God's done it. The question isn't, does God supply? The question is, are we in tune with what he's doing? Because we see in verse 6 that God works through people. Not just one person, but all of us. He works through us. And see, when we live out, when you live out your greater purpose, then we, the church, live out our greater purpose. But if you don't live out your greater purpose, we'll never fulfill our greater purpose. That's why I want you to win. Because if you win, the church wins. If you don't win, the church doesn't win. And I'm not talking about winning like in bigger buildings. I'm not talking about wins like in, 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 in we, we've got more programs. I'm not talking about in wins like we got more staff. I'm talking about wins like we get to reach more people for Christ. We build healthier families. We have greater homes and greater marriages and, and, and greater kids. and and we, and we get to do greater works. That's what it's all about. That's it. Bezalel and Aholiab, their tradecraft was common to them. It was ordinary. It was what they did. But God used it and it became ordinary. Their greater purpose produced the house of God. Their greater purpose produced the Holy of Holies. Their greater purpose produced the place that God would would meet with his creation until Jesus was born. And the same is true today. When you, because you're the Aholiab and the Bezalels, when you do what God's called you to do, when you live life in greater purpose and we come together, we'll accomplish more. Fifteen years ago, 35 people began what we know life church. 35. I want to share a couple of things with you. Just in 2015, last year, there were 524 decisions for Christ just last year. To give you perspective, the average church in America, evangelical church in America, doesn't see one person come to faith in Christ in 12 months. 524 documented people at the Appleton campus, at the Germantown campus made decisions for Christ, checked the box on the back side of the car. That's not the number of people that raised their hand. There's, a, there's probably about three or 400 more that raised their hand. But this is the number of people that checked the box. 117 of those were baptized in water. Just here. In the last 12 months. And there was 500. given to missions. Almost $600,000 just last year. That went around the corner and around the world. That's not tithe. That's not building. That's just to missions. That's what I'm talking about. The most ever decisions in one year we've had for Christ was last year. The most number of water baptisms we've had in a single year was last year. Check this out. Since the beginning in 15 years, we've seen 4,612 people documented make decisions for Christ. From 35 people. We've seen 715 of those people follow through in water baptism just in our local church. And we've seen $3,755,905 given to missions. Almost $4 million given to missions just in the last 15 years of our existence. What are you saying, Aaron? I'm saying that this church is founded and is built upon this principle of you discovering what it is that God's called you to do. I'm saying that this is where we are and this is who we are. And my prayer today is that whatever your ordinary is becomes extraordinary. Whatever your purpose is, you realize that you're not just, dot, dot, dot. That you are more than that. That God has equipped you and called you and used you. And my question is, are you using that for the kingdom? My question is, are you engaging that for the kingdom? My question is, are you praying? Because you are just like Bezalel and Aholiab. Just in case you've forgotten in the last 30 minutes. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. I have filled him with wisdom. I have filled him with understanding. I have filled him with knowledge and all kinds of skills. He was not an orator. He was not a priest. He was not a leader in a classic sense. He was a person that worked with his hands, not with his mouth. Yet God saw fit that he would fill him. And here's what I believe. That's the same thing for you. My question is businessman. My question is tradesman. My question is stay-at-home parent. My question is, teacher, are you realizing that you've been filled with the Spirit of God that God has given you all wisdom, all understanding, all knowledge, everything that you need to do to leverage your life for the sake of eternity. The question isn't, is God doing that? The question is, do you live in that realm? That's what greater is all about. That's my prayer for you. And as a church, that's how we're going to fulfill our purpose. That's what Ryan was talking about, about greater, about you taking today that commitment card and go, whatever I've been doing, Four missions, that's what I'm going to do so I'm going to take that commitment card and I'm going to fill that out because I'm going to take what I do out here in the, in, in the workaday marketplace and I'm going to leverage it for the kingdom. I'm going to take what I've been doing for, for building and I'm going to add that to that. and I'm just going to put those two things together, I'm going to put it in there and I'm going to do greater. This is your money, this is your business, it's not mine. I don't know who's turned in cards, who hasn't. I don't know who's given what, who hasn't. This isn't a pledge. like we're going to show up and say, hey, Hey, hey. No, this is just a thing of what do you want God to do through you? What, what is it? Above and beyond your tithe, what is it? Greater. I do believe, though, when we're faithful in this, God begins to show up and he uses things in our life. This is just one way. There's a lot of ways. But greater, and that's my prayer for you as your pastor, is that we will do greater things. That you will live the greater life. And it will accomplish much for the kingdom. Because when we stand before God, those numbers aren't my numbers. God doesn't say, hey, Aaron, you know, you were able to kind of corral those people together and give millions of dollars for missions. Great job. No. I may be the leader, but I'm not the one that builds a temple. The building of God's temple is in your hands, not mine. No pressure. I kind of had the easy job on this one. My job is to equip you. My job is to encourage you. My job is to kind of let's, let's pop the pads and the helmets and let, let, let's light it up a little bit. Let's think about this a little bit. But your job, you're the one building the kingdom. You're the one building the house of God, not me. You're the one filling the seats in this room, not me. You're the one that's going to the highways and the byways and the hedges, not me. I do that as a Christ follower, yes, but as a pastor, as a leader, my job is to hear the voice of God and go, here's the direction we're supposed to go, and you go, hey, I resonate with that, or I don't. I'm a part of this local fellowship in this church, and so we're going to do this, and we're going to fill the theater in Appleton. We're going to fill the auditorium at Germantown. We're going to continue to add more campuses. We're going to continue to do it. Why? Because that's what we're called to do. Go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel, and the miracle, the activity, the action is going to happen in you. God wants to do that through you today.